Would you believe it? I didn't even know this was going to be put up for today, and I already had planned to show you this picture. Here it is. To go with the theme for the week. <clears throat> the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 was caused by Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicking over the lantern. Maybe you've heard that legend. It is fiction. The newspaper reporter invented the story to make colorful copy. Imagine that. There's a lot of things that we believe are true that we hear in our culture that aren't true. For example, houseflies have an average lifespan of 24 hours. <clears throat> that is not true. Houseflies have an average lifespan of 20 to 30 days. I'm sorry to ruin your day. <laughs> All right. People use only 10% of their brains. How many heard that? The rest of you, are you listening? <laughs> All right. People use only 10% of the reins. That is just not true. Even while you're sleeping, most of your brain is being used, according to new science. And here's another commonly quoted misconception. God will never give you more than you can handle. Oh, oh, oh. Some of you like that one. I did too. Here we are in week two of the series, God Never Said That. And last week, Matt started it for us. Didn't he do a great job last week? So, part two, God will never give you more than you can handle. He never actually said that. So we need to kind of take a look at what this is about. Our focus for today reads like this. This tired old phrase offers no help to someone who is overwhelmed. Don't raise your hands. Has anybody said to you, when you're just totally blitzed with bad news, terrible things are happening, your Christian brother or sister says, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle? The reason why this is so important, this tired old phrase, you don't want to use that phrase because the person you say it to will want to punch you in the face because... <laughs> They're feeling completely overwhelmed and they're telling you God will never do this to you, but you're already feeling it, all right? So we need to look at where this comes from. 40 years ago, some of you, most of you weren't born. Um, 40 years ago, I taught on this out of this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Some of you are doing the math. When did he start teaching? Okay, I was a teenager teaching other teenagers from this passage. Let me read the passage. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So from this passage, so many believers start to rattle off the idea that God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's what I taught 40 years ago. I even used an older illustration. Yes, there are illustrations older than me. Older illustration where there's an old ship and there was a limit line on the ship and the limit line is there so that if it was loaded too heavy and it's going down too far in the water, you unload it. You can't have it be a dangerous load. And it makes good sense to me to teach that God will never give you more than you can handle. I mean, logically, we think like this. God loves us. He's our Heavenly Father. What good father is going to give a huge 100-pound box to a three-year-old? Here, carry this. <laughs> you know, it's like God would never do that, we think. But I want to share with you some ideas that are from the Bible 
that share with us that that's not what this is talking about. Look at the underlying phrase. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now what... This is not saying, okay, so some of you are lightweights, and so your limit line's really uh, high. And God says, oh, I can't give you very much. Oh, you're a really strong one in faith, so I'm going to just load you up. It's like, I've heard people say stuff like this. I just wish that God didn't think I was so strong. (laughs) I mean, have you heard that? And then God just loads up the strong ones and really nice to the weak ones. So I'm signing up to be... Well, okay. And so, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about not your limit line. This is talking about God's faithfulness to you, not your strength. This is talking about His great strength. He will never give you or allow something to happen to where there's no way you cannot fall into this temptation. I'm just going to fall into it. No, no. He's so strong. He always provides with his help a way to not dishonor his name if you'll turn to him. His strength. Not your strength. That's a little different than saying God will never give you more than you can handle. So here's what I want to say. Don't be mad at me. Here's the quote. God will give you more than you can handle. But he will never give you more than he can handle. Okay? That's what we're talking about today. Now, I know that some of us are still going, wait a minute. God will give me more than I can handle? That sounds like what you just talked about, the God who's going to put a 100-pound box on the little kid. That doesn't sound very nice. Have you ever seen, maybe you've been a dad, where you let a kid think he's doing more than he can do? You know, he's pushing a desk. I'm so strong, but really, you're pushing it? He's pushing the cart, shopping cart. I'm so strong, but really, you're pushing it, right? That's a little bit of the picture of what it is like, but he will give you more than you can handle. All right, now is the time for some of you, if you're really into filling in those blanks, this is the best part for some of you. And if that's not you... Now's the time for you to just really tune in, listen in, because this is something really important. Point number one, Jesus was overwhelmed. Jesus was overwhelmed. If even Jesus goes through a period of time where it's more than he can humanly handle, hmm, let's think about this. Mark 14, here's what we read. They went to the place called Gethsemane. This is one of Jesus' favorite getaway spots, the Garden of Gethsemane, where he'd pray with his disciples. This particular time was the most intense time. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Okay, that's pretty overwhelming. Now, you need to understand the situation. He is praying, and this is the night before his crucifixion, and he knows what's coming. What he knows is coming is not just a death. That's not what he fears. He's not fearing the cross physically. He's fearing the cross and what it means because he came to take upon himself your sin and my sin. And the consequences of that sin, he was 
volunteering to take that on, which means he's going to take on the distance that is the result of sin, which he's never experienced in his entire history, not only in humanity, but even eternity past, and he was with his father from eternity past, never before experienced any kind of distance from his heavenly father. He is signing up to experience the distance from his father that we deserve because of our sin, that he doesn't deserve. So he's going to experience, here's another way to put it, he's experienced hell on our behalf because of our sin. And he's saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Then he said to them, stay here and keep watching. He said, watch and pray. Stay with me. Pray for me. It's too much for me, is what he's saying. All right, now, here's my question to you. Is this an exception? Is Jesus experiencing something that is the one-of-a-kind exception that no other human being experiences where he cannot handle this now? Humanly speaking, it's beyond him. Or is this what people experience when they feel overwhelmed? I would say Jesus is not just an exception. He's our example. He's our savior, but he's our example. He's telling us what to do when we're overwhelmed, what to do when we have more than we can handle. This is more than he can handle. What does he do? He goes to the Father in prayer. What does he do? He calls other people to pray with him. He's showing us by example, here's what you do when you're overwhelmed. But please note, the Heavenly Father loves him dearly and is going to let him be overwhelmed to the point of death for a purpose. Very interesting. I also believe that if you read the story of the Bible, Jesus is not the exception. Character after character after character, person after person, hero after hero, I mean, just name a few. Moses, David, Jonah, they all experience a point where they're just, this is too much, I can't handle this, this is way more than I can deal with, and crying out to God. And so it's part of the human experience that God allows for some purposes. And I'm gonna show you a little bit about why. So point number two, there is a way to handle more than we can handle. A little play on words, but I'm going to do more than play on words to share with you how to handle more than you can handle, which is what we're talking about. So you can't handle it. It's way more than you can handle, but you can manage life because God's power is so strong. Here's Jesus teaching how this works. Now, let me just warn you, in John chapter 15, and this whole concept of why God sometimes does allow and he will allow you to have way more than you can handle is so deep, it's hard for me to explain it. It's so deep, it's hard for me to truly live it. And so I'm not just rattling off something simple here. So pay attention and hang on. Here are Jesus' words. Mark, I mean, John 15, 5. I am the vine. Okay, he's the life source. You are the branches. If you're not connected to the life source, the branches are dead. He's already said this, or he's going to say this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's his desire for you, to bear much fruit. Now, let me just talk about what he's talking about. He's saying, I want your life to count for eternity. I want your life to be eternally significant. I want each decision to bear fruit with eternal significance, okay? I run into people, 
and have run into people frequently who in the middle of prayer requests are talking about stuff that's from their perspective, they just something really, really heavy and they want prayer for something else. This is, I guess, not any big deal. You know, it's not all that spiritual. There's sometimes I say, wait, 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 hold on, let's back up. Hold, hold on. Slow down. Everything is spiritual. We have in our thinking a mentality. If it's a really big thing and I'm crying out to God, it's probably important. I need to cry out to God. If it's a really little thing, here's what we say. I got this. I can handle this one. I got this. Okay? No. Don't say that. Jesus is saying, no, you don't have this. Because he's trying to give you a life that is for eternal significant purposes. And so there's eternal significant fruit available in every moment of the day. Every fork in the road that you come to, every decision, you can honor God or dishonor God. You can live for eternity or live for self. You can live for Jesus and be connected in Jesus or live disconnected and you're your own center. You're your own world. I've got this. Jesus is saying, I want you to have fruit. I want you to experience life on a whole different plane. I want this for you, but I already know you can't handle it. Here's how he says it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not united and connected with me and experiencing life from me in the spiritual realm where you have joined your life with my life and you're depending upon me, then yeah, it's not spiritual. It doesn't last. There's no fruit. But I want you to experience fruit, eternal significance in everyday moments. How you just loved your daughter, that's got eternal payoff because you loved your daughter in Jesus' name. How you just shared that with that neighbor, that stranger, there's an eternal payoff for them and for you there that has an eternal significance because it was in my name that you did it. You're uniting with me and doing something that's got a lasting significance, but if you are living life with, here's the limit, I, can, I, can do th- I got this one, I got this one, I got work, I'm really good at work, I'm really good at this, I, I got this one. That's the opposite of everything Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, no, I came to give you life, life to the full, to experience joy on a whole different plane, and to experience significance eternally now. And he's describing that. So what I'm saying is really complex and deep and hard to live out, that everything is spiritual and he wants this for you, but you can't handle it. You can't do it alone. You have to merge your life with his and depend upon him. Point number three. Why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Now, A in your outline, here's the answer, one of the answers. To teach us to depend on God. Now that you got that written down, we're going to look at Psalm 61. This is the prayer of David. And in the prayer of David, by the way, if you haven't written these down, they're on the flip side, on the study side section, they're all written down, the passages we're looking at, to just save you some work there. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You get that? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I mean, sometimes the biblical imagery just goes, it's like, 
okay, somewhere there's a rock that's higher than I. Now, okay, let me help you out a little bit. I'm, this is what I'm picturing. I'm picturing David is on the run. Armies are after him. Saul's armies are after him. He is totally, this is, he can't handle it. He's faint, he's tired, he's saying, show me a rock that's higher than I. In his mind, it's God that's the rock that's higher than I, but the imagery is this. You picture a cliff, and if he could just find that cliff and be on the top when the armies show up, he's like, <laughs> you can't get me. There's the rock that's higher than I, okay? But now he's using that as an image for the higher rock still, God himself. Something that's bigger than I am. Something that's more solid than I am. Something that's more strong than I am. Every single one of us needs to live life in a way where we are led to a rock that is not I. It's higher than I. It's living in a way that has a more solid, higher strength that is the secret to living with eternal fruit and joy and honoring God. Great stuff we're talking about here. So he teaches us through these difficulties to lead us to a rock that is higher than I. Point number B. To help us experience God's power. Why would God allow us to have more than we can handle to help us experience God's power. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 10. This is Paul speaking about his experience. We're going to just read it through, then I'll explain it briefly. He said to me, Paul is saying this was God's answer to his prayer. He was pleading with God three times. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. What has he lost his mind? I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. How many of you delight in all those things? Who, what is he talking about? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, I get it. All right, so let's slow this down. Let's go to verse 9 and kind of talk this through. Where is he at? Okay, so he's been praying to God about a situation he calls his thorn in his side. As you read through this chapter, it does not say what it is precisely, but it says that he's experiencing something. that It even talks about it's from the enemy, but God has allowed it, and God hasn't removed it. Now, from the enemy, this thing that isn't, doesn't seem like it could be God's design and God's blessing, it's not good. It's keeping him from ministry. It's making ministry difficult. It's just remove this. He's prayed three times. What's really interesting is he never prayed it. It would go away a fourth time. He only prayed three times because then he got the answer from God. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, here's something I kind of like about this scenario because, first of all, I like the fact that Paul doesn't tell us what it is. He just says it's a thorn in his side. And the reason I like that is because every one of us will relate. There will come a point in time when God will allow something in your life that's something you can't handle. 
There will come a point in your life when it's too big for you, you wish you would just take it away. Now hold on. Think about this. If anybody is a candidate for God to do a miracle and take it away, Paul is. I mean, think about it. He's asking God to do it. He's asking God to do it for the right reasons. He wants to be able to do the ministry more effectively. He wants God to remove this thing. Paul is living for God, full throttle, all out. His heart is right. If anybody is a candidate for God to remove this miraculously, take this away, Paul is. But God apparently, if you read the whole chapter, has reasons to keep it there so that he could have more power. And that's why Paul delights in these persecutions and these difficulties and these hardships because something happens while he learns to depend on God. He experiences a power outside of himself. So to bring this all around, um, let's jump two slides forward to kind of the wrap-up slide as he explains it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I don't have what it takes... When I cannot handle it, I tap into a power that goes beyond my ability, and I delight in that. I love when rowing and weakness turns into sailing in God's power. Get my meaning? Sailing is more fun than rowing. All right, so get the, get the image here. It's like, oh, man, my boat's too weighted down, and it's just going to sink any minute. It's like, uh, whoa, sailing is more fun than rowing. All that energy and work to get from A to B, you just feel like you're just about to go under, and all of a sudden it moves from your power to his power, and the sails fill up, and it's like, woohoo! and I'm just enjoying the ride. All of that came from delighting in the fact that I couldn't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And God shows up. Now, to bring all this together, I wrote out a prayer. I want to read it for you first, kind of talk it through a little bit. If it resonates with you, I'm going to ask you to pray it. Here's the prayer. My dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Apart from you, I can do nothing eternally significant. The eternally significant life you want for me is more than I can handle by myself. Now, I just summarized what Jesus said. He wants something for you that you can't handle. He wants something for you that you're not equipped for. He wants something for you to bring eternal significance to your life, and you can't do it apart from him. I want to honor you. I come to you. I depend on you. I bring my weaknesses to you. And I ask you to show your power through my weaknesses. I will stop saying, God will never give me more than I can handle. So I've got to be strong. Instead, I say, I am weak. You are strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you for giving me more than I can handle. Now there's the, there's the hard one. Thank you for giving me more than I can handle. That's where Paul got to. Thank you for showing me this power that's only evident because it's beyond me. I trust you. You can handle it. Please give me your strength for my situation. In Jesus' powerful name. Amen.
Now, we're about to pray this. I'm going to invite everyone to pray it out loud. But maybe there's somebody here that is not so sure that there is a God. You just came because you're here visiting. And you're just trying to make somebody happy. And there's nothing I can say to make you believe there is a God. But there's something you can still do. You see, believing is trusting. And if you don't trust somebody, you can interact with that somebody to see if that somebody is somebody you can trust. I invite you to interact with the God that you're not sure you believe in because as you interact with the God and pray this kind of prayer, he might start to shift some things and show some power to you that you realize, oh, wow, this is outside of me. Maybe he's somebody I can trust further and you start praying it again and again and again. So I invite you to give God and trust a try. Let's stand together. And if you're not there, don't pray it, um, but just stand and look like you're everybody else. And let's pray this together. My dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Apart from you, I can do nothing eternally significant. The eternally significant life you want for me is more than I can handle by myself. I want to honor you. I come to you. I depend on you. I bring my weaknesses to you, and I ask you to show your power through my weaknesses. I will stop saying, God will never give me more than I can handle, so I've got to be strong. Instead, I say, I am weak, you are strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you for giving me more than I can handle. I trust you. You can handle it. Please give me your strength for my situation. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. To some of you, it may feel like, uh uh-oh, He can give me more than I can handle. And I just pulled the comfort carpet out from underneath you. Listen, he can handle it. It's all about depending on his strength and his power. Now, uh, if you have something, it's a situation and it's a big one, um, Jesus went and asked others to pray for him. Feel free to ask others to pray for you. If you've got a small group, ask them to pray about it. Right now, go to the prayer team to the right of the stage. Ask them to pray about it. Encourage you to do that. Next week, we go on this third topic. God never said that. And the topic we're on is, it doesn't matter what you do. So come back next week and hear more about that. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, I think it does. Enjoy some cake. Ruin your lunch. Meet Hunter. All right. God bless you. See you next week.